can maybe turn it on after that. Um, all right, welcome back, folks, to another episode of Maybe, maybe Next, next time. time. I'm your host, William Boo, with my co-host, Simon McCormack. Nets Nation! Is Kyrie really coming back? <laughs> uh, well, whether or not Kyrie's coming back, Simon, you are very much back from the great north. Yeah. Uh, how was your time in Maine? Maine. <laughs> Maine, Maine. Um, can't complain. Uh, it was it was perfectly perfectly fine. Um, saw Hillary's parents, as you know, got to experience a place that is quite different, not only from New York City, but different than any other place I've ever been. <laughs> uh, there was a hot take on Kimba Walker, wasn't there? Oh yeah, there was. <laughs> okay. Well, well. Um, skip that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, welcome back. Good to have you. Uh, it's been a wild, wild ride uh, for the Nets lately, and this, of course, is a weekly podcast on the Brooklyn Nets, yeah. all thing Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Um, we don't stick to just what's happening on the court. We like to delve deep through our various sources to things very much off court. Yeah. Um, we like to talk about trends in the NBA. We like to talk about rainy day things we'd like to do with Nets players, which you got to stay tuned for, for an impromptu um, theme at the end of the yes. podcast. Absolutely. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Follow us, subscribe, rate, review, and whatnot. Uh, we've got a big show for you today. The Nets, as people listening, will have played the heat by the, end, by the time that you're listening to this. We yeah. don't know the result of that, but I think either way that that one shakes out... Uh, it's not going to have too too big an impact on what we say here. Yes. Um, so, in the time since we met last, Simon, we have beaten two of the very worst teams in the entire NBA, the New York Knicks and the Cavaliers, by a combined four points, <laughs> and lost very badly to the Boston Celtics away, only to redeem ourselves with a W at home. I would say unequivocally... Best win of the season for the Nets. Definitely. Um, this Friday, it was a convincing win at home against a pretty competitive, good Boston Celtics team who, uh, other than Gordon Hayward, had everyone out there. Yeah. Uh, bringing us to 10 and 9, we've got a winning record. It's the first time we've recorded with a winning record. Uh, we are pretty solidly seventh place in the East. At 2.5 games ahead of the Magic and a full three games up on the Charlotte Hornets, who we play later in this week. Simon, and, and we already beat. And we, already, and we already punished yeah. the last time we played them. Uh, they are, a, I think, unquestionably the least talented team <laughs> in the NBA, though they have managed to remain competitive in a sort of nod to nets of old, yes. um, out, outperforming their rotten um, uh, roster construction. Yeah. So, how are you feeling about where the Nets stand in general before we delve into the details? Uh, well, I would say that I am... Uh, this is, and I, I, I felt so strongly about this that I told Hillary, who, as you know, doesn't care. But um, she was my only um, person I could really talk to for the last several days about this. Uh, I feel like this is the happiest I've been with the Nets this season. Yeah, like this is the most optimistic I've I've been because I, 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 as you've sort of alluded to, like 
yes, we beat some teams, and that is certainly better than losing to teams. We absolutely know, especially without Kyrie, but even with Kyrie, any team can beat us. Absolutely any team can beat us. So always good to win, but was this like a sign of our team really getting much better, or was it a sign of our team beating really bad teams? And to me, beating the Celtics um, by seven, and also even in the game, the game that we eventually lost by 11, uh, we were up uh, until the bench came in in that decisive end uh, of third quarter, yeah, beginning of fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's certainly something I think I would like to focus on yeah. at some point in this episode, the roster rotation of of, of Kenny Atkinson right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, there's, there's reason for optimism. There's also, you know... Is it troubling that the Nets are six and two with um, Kyrie out, mm. and only four and seven with him in? Um, sure, it's early. Sure, uh, we've had a pretty easy schedule with him out, but that we are decidedly, you know, we're doing better yeah. <laughs> with him out, and it's as you say, you're feeling better than you have all season. Um, that might be a, that could be a bad, a bad sign, right? <laughs> yeah, could be. Um, now it might not be something we have to worry about because it doesn't seem like he's ever coming back. <laughs> he's already been ruled out of today's game. Oh yeah. But you <clears throat> saw that he, he's beginning on court work. On court work, yes, but non-contact, right? Yeah, non-contact. Yeah, of course. <laughs> we know God. we know what happens not- when there's any contact involved. He's immediately <laughs> injured again. <laughs> so why don't we take a quick trip to Katie's corner? I know we don't have a lot to talk about here. Yeah. It's been a quiet week in in Katie watching. Yeah, uh, but you had something that you wanted to bring. Yeah, up. there was. Um, well, I believe this was the most recent game. Um, it was definitely in Ed Barclays Center. Um, KD and Kyrie, both in in street clothes, were um, yucking it up, sort of pretend going one-on-one with each other. They didn't have a basketball or anything, but, like, Kyrie was doing some spin moves, and Kevin was, you know, putting his hand in the face, and they were just... They really they really seemed to enjoy one another. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that's undeniable. Uh, so that was... My Katie's Listeners of the show will know that this is a weekly uh, segment, and I'm not saying it's a great weekly segment, but it's generally better than the one we just had. <laughs> Thank you for coming up with anything, though, Simon, because I didn't have, I had nothing for Katie's Corner. Um, in stark contrast to what I do have for Stat Station. Uh, so this week of Stat Station, where we delve deep into some various stats on the Nets, is going to be subtitled, Why Theo Pinson Shouldn't Ever Play Again. <laughs> okay. And this is going to be my modest, humble case for why Kenny Atkinson should never play Theo Pinson another minute in the NBA, uh, why he is this year's Quincy AC, a man <laughs> that must have so much dirt on Kenny that he, he is able to blackmail him into playing. I just want to go through a few key stats that I've found on old mm-hmm. Tio. Yeah. Um, Simon, this year in the NBA, 343 players have registered a PER score. Got it. 
Of those 343 total players to have registered a score, where do you think Theo Pinson ranks? Of 343. 338. Uh, close. A little worse than that. 340th. He has the fourth worst PER in the entire league. Now, PER is not everything, but it is a metric that is meant to capture overall quality of a basketball player on a court. The reason why he has been able to to accomplish this monumental, <laughs> a monumentally bad yeah. PER ranking is because he has paired two things that should never be paired together. And that is one of the worst true suiting percentages in the entire NBA paired with one of the highest usage rates in the NBA. <laughs> so currently, he has a usage rate of 23.4%, wow. which ranks him 69th in the league, just behind all-star Gordon Hayward and just in front of likely this year all-star Fred Van Vliet. So he has a ball in his hands as much as two extremely good players, um, which is a terrible sign for the Nets' (laughs) offense um, when he is on the court. You pair him having the ball in his hands that much with the third worst true shooting percentage in the entire NBA. He's at 35% true shooting percentage. League average is 55%. Uh Needless to say, that is by far the worst on the team. In more concrete terms, he has field goal percentage, not any of this effective, true, anything like that, is 26.6. Yeah. I don't think I need to tell you that is a team worst. Um, <laughs> 7% worse than the next worst on the team, who is Musa. Also not great, but not nearly this horrible. And he pairs his 26.6% field goal um, with an 18.8% three-point shooting percentage, yeah. which... Uh, is second worst on the team. Musa's is 18.4. And if you are someone who is more into an effective field goal, you're you're like, I don't really trust old true shooting. Know, of course, that Pinson is a team worst, (laughs) 31.3% effective field goal percentage. Again, seven percentage points behind Musa. What is his assists? Do you know? I don't know what his... Oh, yes, I do know. It's um, 2.8. Okay. 2.8. Um, his PIE, player impact estimate, is, needless to say, the worst of any net, who averages over 10 minutes a game. His net rating on the team is negative 10. Uh, that's the fourth worst. He is ahead of Musa, Claxton, and Shumpert in this. Mm. Um, Claxton has... Really dropped off after his initial exciting first game, but he is also a rookie. Um, Shumpert hasn't played enough, so this sm- it's a very, very small sample size. And Musa, as we know, stinks. Yeah. Um, so all of this is to say, objectively, Pinson is very terrible. But this is what I'd like to say to sort of be a little more optimistic and get into the conversation about this rotation. Yeah. Someone who uh, uh, I, I don't understand why he needs to go to Theo Pinson when we have a guy on the bench named David Nwaba. Right. David Nwaba has the highest net rating on the team at 6.3%. And it also should be noted that he has both the highest effective field goal and true shooting percentage on the team at 76.7 and 74.7 respectively. He's like the inverse of Theo Pinson. And he's probably our best defender. Right. At least perimeter defender. Exactly. So why, why, why (laughs) is Kenny Atkinson electing to play an objectively god-awful player in Theo Pinson 
while he sits, David Duamba. Yeah, I, I, it's a, it, that is a good question. I, I, I also totally agree that, that Nwaba should be out there. I think, I, I think the only justification might be that Theo is more of a point guard, and we just don't, we don't have another point guard besides Spencer Dinwiddie and Kyrie. Um, we just don't. Um, but, I mean, if your point guard is this destructive to yeah, your yeah, overall yeah, I team, understand. go without a point I, guard. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Can I? Are you done with your your stats? My stat station. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent work. I I am not going here to dispute that Musa is worse than Theo. I thought he was, and then I looked at the stats, and you've made a very compelling case. But I do not. I do not want your compelling case to to totally overshadow just how bad Musa is. Because because on any other team where Theo Benson was not on that team, right. Musa would be so bad. Okay, he is – this will be quicker. But he is shooting 33% from the field. Right. Again, 7% better than Theo Benson. 18 – yeah, <laughs> but horrible. I mean, Absolutely that is horrible. dreadful, yes. Um, he is shooting 18%, as you mentioned, from the three-point line. Uh, effective field goal percentage, 38. Uh, again, league average, 55, as you said. Um, and at least Theo Pinson is getting a f- like close to three assists. Musa is averaging one assist um, and turning the ball over 1.5 times uh, and averaging 5.4 points. So I-, I would say, again, definitely Theo is worse, but at least he is doing something other than scoring. The- Musa is just a scorer who is the one of the worst scorers in the league. He is just not an NBA player right now. No. Nor is Theo Pinson. And he's Musa is much, much younger. Right. So I think the only case that could be made for Musa over Pinson is if we have to if we have to play the dregs due to injuries. If yeah. we just have to have a warm body out there, which again, <laughs> we have warm bodies we're not using who are better. Yeah. But if we have to use one of these guys, the case could be made you should do Musa, even though he is admittedly miserable, just because he's still 19 or maybe 20 years old and has a chance to potentially develop where the ship has very, very clearly sailed on Theo Pinson. Now, I am <laughs> certain he's a good guy. People reportedly say he's the funniest guy on the team, uh, and I don't dispute that. I also don't dispute that he it must have been a joy for Long Island Nets fans to watch last season. He <laughs> put up pretty good numbers in the G League. He is, as soon as he comes into a Nets game, just watch what happens to the score. We immediately begin giving up points um, and, and <laughs> conversely not scoring any points because it's very difficult to score when you're the third worst scorer in the entire NBA. <laughs> yeah. So clearly something's going on with Nwaba because – it's not as if Kenny does not have access to these. I mean, they have access to much, much better stats, yeah. um, telling them surely how much better Nwaba has been on the floor than um, Penson or Musa, for that matter. Uh, I feel like there is a potential that Nwaba is the Kenneth Fareed of this year, where he might have exhibited some dissatisfaction with his role on the team and as a result it is it has uh, been diminished his role yeah but 
whatever's gone on, I feel like someone needs to tell Kenny to get over it and start <laughs> giving Nwaba the minutes over those two guys. Well, and Nwaba did play in the first game against the Celtics and played really well and then bizarrely didn't play in the most recent game. But Nwaba played, he, he had some quality, some good threes, was playing good D on, I think he was guarding um, Brown. Um, but he, you know, he, he was making him work out there. All right. Well, we can agree then. We'd like to see less Theo Pinson and Jean and Musa. Yes. Um, obviously, that will be mitigated when one of our two stars comes back. Yeah. Unclear when that will be. Yeah. Um, I guess theoretically, Kyrie will still be back before Karis, but that is very theoretical. Right. You got to right. see it. Um. Kyrie's return to Boston, Simon. Fans mercilessly boo him. There's signs apparently up all around the stadium saying mean things about him. Yeah. Uh, It was a major through narrative on the broadcast, um, which at times was a relief because then they wouldn't talk about how... um, the Nets were very clearly giving up the game, and Kenny was refusing to take out Claxton, <laughs> Shumpert, uh, Pinson, Musa, and some other miserable player for like five fucking minutes at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth, um, where you're just watching them take the game away from us. Um, anyway, Kyrie reacts, right? A very, very long and now much commented upon Instagram post. Yes. He says, I'll always be the one that takes the stand and speaks on the truth every time, though. A purposeful and spiritually led life will always be bigger and more meaningful than any sports arena or any entertainment space. What do you think Kyrie um, is doing with this response? What was your reaction both to the fans and then to Kyrie's subsequent response and then the broader reaction of media people to what Kyrie said? Yeah. Um, thank you um, for that. And I'd, I'll also talk about how I feel about the Celtics fans' reaction. Well, oh, great. Um, so, so yeah, I, I there was a, a story that was written before – Kyrie even played a game with the Nets from somebody from, I think, the Boston Globe talking about, like, giving giving Nets fans a primer for what to expect from Kyrie. And one of the things they said was, you will think at first that, you know, he's he's really thoughtful and insightful, and then you'll sort of realize he is like a f- philosophy student who didn't do the reading. <laughs> and I... I feel like this post was prime that like this had all of the makings of like going to UNM and having a professor ask a question about some specific thing and somebody raises their hand and is like, yeah, well, this might be a little off topic, but and then like goes on to their like really, you know, clever thing that they think is very smart because they're Mm -hmm. too smart to do the reading. I'm not saying Kyrie thinks he's too smart to do the reading. I am saying that I think that this is actually quite a shallow and uh, not very reflective uh, response. I mean, I'll get into with the 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 uh, piston. Uh, sorry, the Celtics fans got into, but like, I just find it so irritating that he like we're not talking about leading a fucking spiritual life. We're talking about things like 
shoving Musa or like not taking your hat off or doing any number of things like screaming at your teammates when they don't make a shot like that is not about leading a peaceful purposeful life that gets beyond entertainment and is so much bigger that is what they're talking about Kyrie they're not talking about like taking you down a peg because you know they they all, all they want to do is you know watch you play basketball like I I just don't think it's a response of somebody who has n- never really come to grips with ever having fault. It gets back to what you were saying about him saying, like, oh, my grandpa died, so, like, that's why I did it. Is that why you didn't take your hat off? Because I fucking doubt it. Right. Like, I just, you, uh, yeah. So, the the and then the media reaction, I think, ranged from, at least on Nets Twitter, a very niche uh, media outlook to being like, wow, what a, you know, thoughtful one, like basically everything I'm sure Kyrie was like hoping everyone would say, they said, what a, you know, really insightful, he's so smart. Um, and then other people being like, he lashed out at the Celtics fans. He couldn't take it. He was, you know, furious, which I don't think it's either one. I think right. it's him being um, an arrogant, unself-reflective prick, which I think he basically is. Two, though, right? Just, and it's okay to be defensive. Yes, it's yeah, okay, sure. and and you know, we in everyone can't be expected to be able to like dissect in an amazingly thoughtful, right. trenchant way. Absolutely. Uh, Something that they feel on an extremely emotional level. Like, he was vitriolically attacked uh, relentlessly by a community that once meant a lot to him. Yeah. <laughs> and that is surely a a shocking, hurtful thing. I, I, you know, whether rightly or wrongly. I mean, you had to have expected it. Yeah. But, like, as much as one steals oneself to that sort of criticism, it's very hard to not take it personally. But, yes, to, to then just... To 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 dress it up with all these platitudes about a spiritual life and what's actually meaningful versus what what isn't meaningful uh, is is a bit absurd. I agree. Yeah, and then just to get, but the by far the most obnoxious uh, player in in this whole saga is the Boston fans, who once again have truly embarrassed and disgraced themselves <laughs> in ways that only Boston fans can. Uh, it is truly like they even they have a good team mm-hmm. and they've had a good team for years. This and you know historically the Celtics are really good, but they still have this like little brother attitude that is so, that just makes this like incredibly good season that they're having at least so far into a Kyrie fest, into like shove it, shove it on Kyrie. Like it doesn't even matter. Right. Like you, you should be saying like, great, we have Kimba, we have all of these good players, we have like our young players are starting to really pop. This is spectacular. But instead, they're like, oh, Kyrie's gonna take it. Is this one's for Kyrie? We're gonna win this one to shove it in Kyrie's face. Like that is the most sort of like entitled prickish bullshit. That I just do not see from other like true again like Bill Simmons is like the like most refined version of that, but they still just have this like incredible like entitlement to like if you play for the Boston Celtics, we own you, right. we own you forever, and you need to behave exactly the way we want you to. Otherwise, you you think you're better. You got your nose up in the air like you're better, <laughs> and it's just this like truly trashy, pathetic response. Yeah, um, I was actually reading um, this Phil, one of the Phil Jackson books, Mm -hmm. um, and he was talking about 
something that happened where Shaq like got really pissed at his teammates and like went off and like dragged um, I forget which one around the locker room till like the guy's knees were bleeding and um, just like had to be torn off of his teammate after a game and. I'm thinking about how people perceive, like, the push, the Jean and Musa push, the moodiness of Kyrie. And I don't want to say, like, the, the, the trite and overused, like, social media has made all of these things more apparent. And now we, can, we know more about what's going on. And so you can't get away with as much uh-huh. as one once could. Yeah. But, like... Anytime you have a team of 16 people who have been told their entire lives that they are the greatest fucking things on earth and they're multimillionaires, uh, clashes happen, egos emerge, some people are bigger pricks than others. It sounds like Kimba Walker is a much genuinely nicer guy yeah. than Kyrie Irving. That's un- incontestable. <laughs> um, but there are pricks throughout the league, as there are in all other things in life, and it's exacerbated by the, the culture and yes we now hear about more of these things and obsess about them more but it's not something novel great players have always been like michael jordan punched steve kerr you know i'm not yeah i'm not saying Kyrie is as good as jordan or michael jordan um or shack sorry um but i think that we have this false idea that like every player needs to be a nice person (laughs) and there's absolutely no precedent for that and it's totally unreasonable to think that they should like if they can go out there and make it work on the court that is sort of the thing that we need to care about which isn't to say that none of the off-court intrigue isn't that intriguing but um it's just it's it is especially with Kyrie and I think Steve when we were talking to him last week Lichtenstein was was right to say like that there, there is a narrative and they're they like they're it's so easy for ESPN or any other outlet to lead with like Kyrie does insert bad thing um, and. I don't know whether, like, a few years of not doing something very bad will diminish that, if that does happen, Um, and whether that story dries up and can change into something else, especially if KD comes back and there's actual team success. But right now, all of this stuff, you know, there's not a whole lot to talk about with the Nets beyond... Kyrie's Instagram tweets and and that sort of thing. So I think we will be having this exact conversation dozens more times this <laughs> season. Um, and yeah, I don't. I'm not. Uh, nothing from the the uh, ascribing last season to his grandfather's death um, to what I've seen this season has changed my mind. That like there is something maybe not destructively toxic, but. <laughs> Not great as a locker room guy for him. Um, But I do think that it's by no means hopeless. Yeah. (laughs) I do think that that Steve Lichtenstein and others are right to point out that he he did choose this. He's bought in a little more, even if he doesn't take off hats. And um, (laughs) the presence of KD could force him to... uh, 
I don't know, maybe make it a little more uh, copacetic. Yeah. All right. That's enough of Kyrie, wouldn't you say? I, I hope he comes back, too, by the way, because it is as fun as it is to see um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Jared Allen explode. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice if if Kyrie were out there doing the same. Yeah. Um, and I do think, what, what do you think about the, the idea that when Kyrie gets back, at least uh, if it's before Karras, that Spencer shifts over to the two and the, they start together? Uh, I don't like that only because, um, we really need a point guard at all times, I feel like, or, yeah, I, I'm just worried if, if they can stagger it so that Spencer is always out there at least, mm-hmm. or, the, or if, as long as they can stagger it so that one of them is always on the court, then fine. Um, totally fine. H- happy to have, uh, who would that probably, like Garrett Temple get, go to the bench. Right, yep. Um... That's fine. That's certainly where Garrett Temple belongs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Though he's been hitting some threes lately. He's been way better, but he just, career-wise, you know you're getting that. No, he's a great guy to come off the bench. He's a good seventh or eighth guy. Right. So, um, yeah, that's my only concern. But totally fine to to have them play together if they can work it out. Yeah, Spencer has been huge um, for us, obviously. But I think um, even more importantly... Jared Allen is beginning to pop. <laughs> More importantly, and something I'd much rather talk about. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think we've known that Spencer has this potential. He's, he's done it when D'Lo is out and Karras is out in the past. We've seen flashes of, of Dinwiddie being a strong starting point guard level player. But Jared Allen, a huge disappointment of at least the first um, 10 games or so of the season, was was Jared Allen. He was intermittently starting, uh, and DeAndre seemed to be taking a lot of his minutes, and he just wasn't putting up any numbers, wasn't looking aggressive at all um, offensively. That has changed. He has been averaging, uh, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but it's it's over 14 points the last five games and definitely over 10 rebounds maybe over even over 12 um he's been playing well defensively getting a lot of blocks um he has played against uh, okay against some bigger centers Um, but he just seems more aggressive more engaged uh, on both ends of the court and uh, i think that that is a really positive sign because if he doesn't take a leap up this year um uh, the the a big questions mark question mark over whether he ever will. Yeah. Now, Bill, let me give a contrary uh, opinion to what is out there in Nets Nation, which is very positive on Jarrett. Um, I think it is great that he's doing this. I I can't I can't deny that he looks much better. He looks much more physical out there. Yeah. Um. Looks like he's you know he's he's obviously getting more rebounds. Uh. I continue to believe that we should harness that that uh, Jared Allen stock and get somebody who is just a generally tougher, meaner, and more mentally also tough guy. I, I texted this, and it was in the midst of the loss, so I was more emotional than, I, than perhaps I would be now, but the fact that his free throw percentage has just plummeted is, to me... It's bigger than just the free throws going down. It is, like, purely in his head. And I just think that, like, 
in a playoff series, I will always be so scared of what Jared Allen will do because I just think that he crumbles under pressure. I think he does not. He is a a lower grade version of kind of the Alan Crab, where like you can just see in his head, like you can just see his thoughts and see his anguish and see his like worry. And um, I still just continue to worry about a guy who has to like tell himself, oh yeah, I need to be aggressive. Oh yeah, I need to like really fight for the rebound. I really need to like not get um, bullied down low. Like that should just be something that you genuinely. I would much much rather have a center who genuinely enjoys like going to bat, like like you know the way Ed Davis would attack things. So I I am still not a total believer in Jared Allen, but I am pleased to see him him playing better. Yeah, he currently has the highest field goal percentage in the entire NBA. Yeah. 67%. Over the last two weeks, he shot seventy over 70% from the field, 16.3 points, 13.4 rebounds, 0.9 blocks, 1 steal, 0.9 turnovers, 1.4 assists. But he is shooting 57% from the line. He is a disaster from the free throw line, and that is a massive difference from last season when he shot over 70 percent yeah from the free throw line it's always been one of the um brighter spots of jared allen's upside is that he could shoot free throws meaning maybe he could develop a shot um also just nice to have a center who can get fouled who the other team is a little more trepidatious about fouling that has totally gone away it's certainly a mental thing um because he's his whole nba career he's been good from free throw so, yeah, I agree. Something's going on there. But a great center not shooting well from free throw is not the end of the world, unless it belies the other stuff that you're worried about, which it very well could. Um, did you read about the behind-the-scenes with the Yes Network crew? No. Uh, I think Nets Daily um, stole lo- large parts of this article from The Athletic. But... Uh, <laughs> Rustin Dodd of the old athletic went behind and uh, did a behind the scenes thing with the Yes crew for the Pacers games, which um, put sort of a, a darker cloud over the article. <laughs> but then they waited like a week till the Nets were doing a little better to publish it. So it wasn't all negative because that must have been a depressing. Um, That's probably the nadir of the season. Yeah, definitely. So far. Yeah, for sure. Um so a few things from that article. Yes reports that ratings are up close to 47% from this time last season. Yeah. Which is huge, especially since a lot of that has been without Kyrie Irving, who presumably would be driving the spike. Right. Um, the crew, and I didn't realize this, uh, the crew, from camera operators to replay guys to graphics and sound, can exceed 30 people for a regular season game. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. Um. Oh man, this is so boring. I don't know why I'm talking about this. And there are nine different camera angles that they use during the game. Okay. That seems like more than than you would actually, expect, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's enough on that. Um, <laughs> Simon, it's a rainy day outside. Anyway, it was an article behind the scenes. I was hoping for a little more. Uh, basically, you know, it said nice things about Ian Eagle and Sarah Kustak, who are who are calling the game. I think it's pretty easy to do that since both of them are so obviously amazing at <laughs> what they do. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's all I got for for you on, on that on that front. Um, it's a rainy day, Simon. 
you wanted to talk about what we would do on a rainy day with a net. Yes. Is that right? Yes, that's right. So, start us off. Okay. So, I would love to spend a rainy day baking with Joe Harris. Um, I know he's a big baker. Yeah, huge baker. And... Um, I'd love to, uh, you know, one of my very favorite. I, I love zucchini bread, by the way. So thank yeah. you for bringing that by. No problem. Um, that's probably my second to third um, most uh, a favorite baked baked item. But my first favorite, I gotta tell you, lemon is, meringue. No, no <laughs> pumpkin bread. Oh, I love pumpkin Ooh, bread. Ooh, yeah. So, so you like walnuts in it? Yeah, I okay. like nuts. Yeah. But if it doesn't have nuts, that's okay. Me too. I kind of prefer it nut-free, actually. Nut-free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just get that pure pumpkin flavor. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's good, especially when it's nice and moist. So I And I know Joe's a bit of a baker, um, and I'd love to see him uh, strut his strut his stuff. I think it'd be very funny to see him in a little um, chef's hat. Uh, <laughs> and so. his chef whites? Yeah, and his chef whites, exactly. Nice. Okay. And would you be doing this at your place or at Joe's? I'd do it at his. Yeah. Probably a bit more space. Yeah. He might have like a fancy um, oven too. Oh, maybe a convection oven? Yeah. Do you guys have a convection? We have whatever you have. <laughs> I don't. We live why, in the why same don't, I don't. I don't know what a convection oven is really. I, I don't think we got it. I feel like that's I, a, It doesn't feel like we're in convec- a convection oven territory. Yeah. Uh, but surely Joe does. And maybe yeah. like a really nice fridge. You can tell you're in a rich person's home by how nice their fridge yeah, is. Yeah, the Sub-Zero, the right? Sub, that's twin like the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the Oftentimes creme de la like creme. built into the wall. Maybe have some wood mm. paneling to mask it or just, a, you know, really embrace the full modernity of a steel motherfucker in your kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we don't have nice fridges either. No. But Ours barely closes. <laughs> yeah, you have duct tape on yours. Yeah, I have for years. Uh, this is all just a way for me <laughs> to kill a little time while I try to think of something I'd like to do. I guess if it's a rainy day, um, I would like to go... Get some Mexican food. Mm. And who better to go get some Mexican food with than um, Kenny Atkinson? I think it'd be fun to have a meal with Kenny. Yeah. Because I feel like Kenny would be extremely disinterested in the food. Like, I just, I, Kenny doesn't strike me as a person for, for whom food brings pleasure. Okay. Like, I, I could see him being a drinker, a heavy drinker. <laughs> uh, that is, like, I could see it going one or, like, I couldn't see him being a moderate drinker. Uh, but I, I, so I could see him either, either, like, not being allowed to touch the stuff because otherwise he goes completely ape. <laughs> um, and you, like, see Kenny seven days later and he doesn't know where he's been. Right, and right. his wedding ring's gone. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's bandages and right. whatnot. Should have seen the other guy. Um, or, 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 yeah, or he's just a teetotaler, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, I have to. I can't. I can't do it." Um, so drinking, I could see him him 
being fun, but the food, I would just like to see if he like if he even like you know, what do you what do you would order? I bet it would be like a you know like a, maybe like a bowl of beans or something that you could just. <laughs> he knows there's some nutrients in it, and he has to intake nutrients, but there's no pleasure in it right. because he's still I, running through that Pacers game, right? Right. Where we were beat up on right. so badly. I I think he might be a Soylent fan. Yes, he's a big Soylent guy. He. Uh, he would he would fit in well in uh, like one of the Silicon Valley um, houses that have all the various uh, incubators, and right? Startups. So that's what I'd do today. I'd go to a Mexican restaurant, maybe Taco Matamoros, since I was there recently, and know that it's a very good Mexican restaurant and near uh, the practice facility, right? And down Relatively. near Industry City, yeah. So we could come straight from practice and know that he could get back there, probably to ride a bike uh, maniacally for eight <laughs> hours while he watches agonizing tape of like a, a, a bad substitution he made or <laughs> a horrible ATO that he that he drew up. Right. Speaking of that ATO, did you hear Spencer's comment about the uh, Cleveland game winner? Yeah, that he just didn't. He just disregarded it. Yeah, the the quote is from Spencer and this is this is pure Spencer here. Kenny has drawn up a great play and I didn't run it. Um very Spencer, it didn't it, it, it was it was the right call not to run it. I think um, the Nets could learn a lot from not running the plays that, <laughs> that Kenny runs out of timeouts oftentimes. Um, and it led to a W. Yeah. So hats off to you. Simon, uh, before we discuss the upcoming schedule, I do I would like to hear where we're at um, in your mind in the impeachment proceedings. Oh, <laughs> now that it's out of the House Intelligence Committee, what can we expect? I think you're gonna see I think you're gonna see Democrats line up behind it, Bill. Although you're gonna see you're gonna, probably gonna see some arm twisting from people like uh, Max Rose, Staten Island's own Max Rose. You yeah. know him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a fan, personally. Yeah, you're not. That, yeah, believe it or not, not a huge M Rose. I, I'd guy. love to do a whole podcast on our thoughts on Max Rose, but um um no, truly, I don't know much about him except that he's basically a Republican. But yeah, I a, mean, you have to. Yeah, you have many, many people from parts of New York like that are Democrats in name only. Right, um, but he is a prized, prized <laughs> uh, member of uh, the Democratic Caucus. Yes, um, he's going to need some arm twisting because um, Staten Island likey trunk <laughs> quite a bit, yeah. and uh, yeah, they went red, red, red. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, um, yeah, but I think I think you're going to see it voted to the Senate. Yeah, you know, right. and Republicans are not going to vote to um, impeach um, in the in the House, and uh, you're going to see a couple week trial thingy, and then uh, Democrats are going to do some hand wringing until the intelligence community can cook up another scheme to save us all from <laughs> right from Trump. Um, all right. Our upcoming schedule, Simon, we play the Heat today, uh, starts now, question mark, three, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so the game's on now. Hope you're enjoying it. Um, go Nets. I, I am not totally confident about this game, but on Wednesday we play the Hawks, a team that just lost by, I think, 47. Yeah. Um, we're down by more than that. It was over by the third quarter. 
James Harden went off for 60 points. Could have done at least 100 had they let him play. <laughs> um, Hawks are miserable. Uh, Hornets on Friday. Uh, both of these are away games. Um, Hornets on Friday. Those are two must-win games. Yeah. Uh, if we lose the Heat game today, we're still at 500. Yep. We're going to need that Hawks and Hornets W because then next Sunday we face the formidable Denver Nuggets. Yes, that's uh, the eighth. Is this Sunday? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Yes, it would be the eighth. Um, so, and we, I think we have tickets to that game. Oh, or yeah, we do. No, I we do. do. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, any thoughts on the upcoming games? Uh, why are the Heat good? I don't understand. Like, I, I mean, I understand Jimmy Butler's very good, but I was looking at their roster. Like, it's not particularly. Strong? Yeah. No, and that's sort of the thing. Spolstra is, you know, by many considered at least top three coach, if not the best coach in the league. They have a a culture of very, very hard work. Um, and they have some interesting, they have some interest. like Drogic is underrated, I think. Okay. Uh, Olenek isn't horrible. Um, okay. They have this one rookie, Kendrick Nunn. Who right. Is, who's like a rookie of the year contender, even he's though a rookie he wasn't of the even year signed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, they're getting Justice Winslow back. I don't know. You know, that it, it definitely isn't, um... A, the most talented roster by a long no. shot, um, and they're not that you know that good. But I would say they they're probably they're certainly better than us without Kyrie and Karrison. Oh yeah, and they're yeah they have. I a mean, great all of record. these teams, all of these teams, except for the Hornets, all of these teams have more talent on their roster <laughs> than us without with, Kyrie. without Kyrie yeah. and Karras in the game. Yeah. Um, again, Hornets do not. For sure. <laughs> P.J. Washington is arguably their best player. <laughs> Graham, Devontae Graham. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, Simon, where can people find us? You've got to find us at Maybe Next Time on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, please follow us and uh, send us your comments, questions, thoughts, concerns to maybe next time at gmail.com. And please rate and review us and subscribe to us on your various podcasting networks, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all, all, all of the best ones. Pod, pod knife. Pod knife. We got, got, knif- us on we got knifed. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you're a new listener coming to us from Podknife, welcome. I yeah, hope this is you. exactly what the um, the podcasting bot known as Podknife <laughs> is meant to bring you. Yeah, um, we I think were the only people to like the fact that they reposted it. It clearly isn't a human based. <laughs> Uh, Twitter account, but you know what? I will take any love we can get, human or right. otherwise. We're not in a position. No, absolutely to not. Turn if our you nose up, know, right. if you know, or or one of your loved ones is uh, someone in control of a bot farm somewhere, <laughs> we would happily allow you to run over our fallow fallow podcast for whatever you'd like. Um, it was as sad as it is to say. It was flattering to be to be hyped up by a pot knife. Sad. 
Glad. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I agree. It's, you know, it's, it's always good to know someone's looking. Yeah, it is Even nice. if it's an algorithm. Sure. Um, all right. Well, it's been very nice talking with you, Simon. Yeah. And um, I hope everyone out there is doing well watching the game. I hope it's a, a you know, positive, positive thing. Yeah. Uh, and we will go ahead and see ya next, next time. time. I was tired of my lady. We'd been together too long. Like a worn out recording of a favorite song. So while she lay there sleeping, I read the paper in bed. And in the personal columns, there was this letter I read. If you like Pina Colada.